In the 700s, in the city of Lanciano in Italy, a monk was celebrating Mass. You may have heard the story before. It's quite remarkable. The monk, whose name we don't remember, was described as being versed in the sciences of the world, but ignorant in that of God. And even as he stood at the altar, he doubted that the bread and wine would truly, at the words of Jesus, which he as the priest was speaking, change substantially into Jesus' body and blood. He doubted the real presence of Jesus in the most holy Eucharist, even as a priest. I guess it's not that surprising. I mean, the Eucharist does look and taste like bread and wine, after all. At least, it usually looks and tastes like bread and wine, even as it is something more. Well, this time, when the monk pronounced those words of consecration, this is my body, this is the chalice of my blood, the host, including its appearances, miraculously changed into flesh. The wine, even visibly, changed into blood. The monk, of course, was shocked. He started weeping with joy. His doubt was gone. This is real. After he calmed down a bit, he called the congregation around the altar and he said, O fortunate witnesses to whom the blessed God, to confound my unbelief, has wished to reveal himself visible to our eyes. Come, brethren, and marvel at our God so close to us. Behold the flesh and blood of our most beloved Christ. Of course, word of this spread very quickly and it is the first recorded Eucharistic miracle in church's history, and there have been quite a number since. After this happened, the blood clotted into five lumps, and the flesh remained the same. The event was quickly studied by church authorities and certified as a true miracle. Over the centuries since then, this flesh and blood were repeatedly studied and confirmed as real. The most thorough study was done in 1970 to 71, which for some of you might seem like ancient history, but wasn't that long before I was born. Pope Paul VI allowed medical professionals and scientists to perform tests. And in short, this revealed that the flesh was flesh muscle tissue, like, and some other lining from inside the heart. It's part of a human heart. And the blood is fresh human blood, type AB. These are still kept in a reliquary in the church in Lanciano and can be seen yet today. Why has God done this? A lot of people, perhaps even some sitting here in these pews right now, look at Holy Communion 
as a wafer, as a cracker, as something really not that interesting, or as a symbol, meaningful, yes, but substantially our Lord? Meh, maybe not. But then there's others of us who in the presence of Holy Communion kneel down in adoration, who are even brought to tears in its presence. And in communion, who, where they find encouragement and strength to face the many challenges and crosses of life. Something, a host, appears unremarkable, normal, even boring to one without faith. But in that host is God incarnate. It was the same centuries before when Jesus walked the earth. He looked to many people uninteresting, boring, or interesting in ways not as interesting as the truth. He's just another man. They were drawn to his preaching. They saw him as a powerful preacher who spoke with authority. Maybe some hoped he would become a powerful king who would de destroy their enemies. Some people accused him of performing magic, of being a prophet, and so on, and Many, as I say, saw him as an interesting man, but only human. His disciples, however, were starting to get that there was something more to Jesus. In particular, about a week before the transfiguration, which we celebrate today, Jesus asked his disciples the question, Who do you say that I am? Peter replied for them and said, the Messiah of God. Peter got a hint at who Jesus was. He knew. Next, Jesus warned them that he was going to suffer, that he was going to be killed, that he was going to rise from the dead. He told them that if they wanted to follow him, they would have to give their whole lives and that it was going to be hard. As he put it, they would have to deny themselves and take up their crosses daily. This was very hard for his disciples to hear. And they needed some reassurance after hearing it. So, Jesus took three of them, Peter, James, and John, up to a mountain to pray. And there he was transfigured meaning his appearance became transformed into something more beautiful and elevated. His face visibly changed. His clothing became dazzling white. Elijah and Moses, two biblical heroes from long before, appeared and talked with Jesus about his coming crucifixion. There the disciples got a glimpse of Jesus' usually invisible divine nature of what God looks like when not hidden behind Jesus' human face or the, under the appearances of bread and wine in Mass. Really, these men got a glimpse of heaven, which is just that, seeing the divine face of God. And in the midst of this shining glory of Jesus' transfiguration, St. Peter was amazed he didn't know what to say, perhaps, so he blurts out, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents. Peter loved it, wanted to stay right there. It was a little bit of heaven. 
But the purpose of this whole miraculous event was not for them to remain there, enjoying the presence of God and visiting with the great heroes of Moses and Elijah. Peter and the other disciples still had work to do on earth before they received the reward of heaven. This is just a foretaste to encourage them. So a cloud came and cast a shadow on them, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then everything was back to normal. Elijah, Moses, and the cloud, a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and the voice from heaven, the Father, were all gone. After that experience, Peter, James, and John, no doubt they trusted Jesus more deeply than ever. They were more ready, but not completely. I mean, how could one be for what was going to come? Jesus' arrest, crucifixion, death, and resurrection. It would have been awesome to see Jesus' transfigured face, this foretaste of heaven. That miracle was given those men to shore up weakened faith in Christ, to strengthen them for the upcoming literal, in their case, crosses in their lives. And so in the end, they could see Jesus and all the saints in heaven. Likewise, miracles like Lanciano are given to shore up our weakened Catholic faith, our faith in the Catholic Mass, in Jesus' real presence in the Holy Eucharist. God does not abandon us. He gives us what we need. And yes, while we might desire to see these amazing things like these miracles and the transfiguration, we should try to remember too, don't be disappointed if we don't see them. As Jesus once said, blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. So as we celebrate this transfiguration, We recall that Jesus, who appeared as an ordinary man but was so much more, lifted the veil, showed a few of his disciples a glimpse of the hidden reality of his divinity. Miracles like Lanciano, they do the same for us, too. But the truth is, we can always come to Jesus, even if he is visibly hidden from us here. We can find strength in the presence of our Eucharistic Lord to live life to the full. May we all deepen our faith in the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist and run to him for strength as we take up our daily crosses. Amen.